Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, my name is Russell Spatz. I'm an alcoholic. Good to be here. So I forget. My brain is like mush. You know, I'm, I'm 73 years old. I think. I'm not even sure. I'm, I'm, I'm in my 70s. And uh, I'm in my 42nd year sobriety, and my brain's like oatmeal now, so I'm just going to have, we're just going to have some fun. I can't really come up with anything profound. We'll see how that works. It's good to be here. It's good to be here. Good to be anywhere, you know. Good to be seen. Better to be seen than viewed, you know, so it's good to be here. So I want, I want to read you something from the big book. I actually know this, you know, I know it, but I'm going to read it because I'll probably screw it up. Uh, so this is on page 50. It is uh, the 12 step. You know, there's a lot of stuff. I can, you can talk about the 12 steps. There's so many ways of looking at it. Uh, but I want to have sort of like a fun deal with it at first and talk about my experience on uh, serving God and helping others. Because the experiences are fun. That's the fun part, helping other people. You know, you know after you've been doing this thing for, well, in January, if I make it, it'll be 42 years. You know, you, I can't even remember or recount all the experiences I've had either being helped or helping other people or sponsoring people. Somebody asked me, he says, well, how many people have you sponsored? I said, they didn't tell me I was supposed to count. Yeah. <laughs> I'm supposed to keep score. You know, I mean, hundreds and hundreds. You know, not that's not, I mean, if you're around here a long time, you're going to sponsor. If you're out there, you're going to be sponsoring a lot of people. If you sponsor just one person a month, that's 12 the way it works with me is, you know, I'll have 10 guys ask me to sponsor them, and uh, one guy will call me back for the second time, you know, that kind of thing. You know, they sort of disappear. you got to sponsor 10 to get one good one, you know, that's going to stick around. But uh, but it certainly helped me, and it's given me a, a reason for living. You want to have a reason for living. You want to have a purpose. That's one of the greatest gifts that you're given as an alcoholic. You're given a purpose. You're given a you're given, I'm just talking about, every time I say you're given, I'm talking about me. I'm given a mission. I have a mission. I'm on a mission. I'm going to, you know, in the in the book, there's one line I read. It was a paragraph where right before the sixth step, the one that separates the men from the boys, it says we examine the foundation. We go to a quiet place. Is the glue holding the foundation together? The glue? I mean, for me, the glue is God. It's belief in God. It's it's uh, never, never apologizing for God. All men of faith have courage. They trust their God. That's the glue that holds it together and keeps you in the room because you're on a mission. It's like Bill Wilson said, the Lord has been so wonderful to me, curing me of this terrible disease that I have to keep talking about it and telling other people. And Bill Dotson said, this is an outbox Anonymous number three. This is not only founders approved. This is 
Conference approved. Can't stand those guys. Conference approved. You know what I mean? And uh, they're probably good guys. Who knows what the hell's going on with them? But the bottom line is, he said, the Lord has been so wonderful to me, curing me of this double disease. I got to keep talking about it and telling other people. And then what Bill Dotson said, he says, I could see that Bill Wilson was very, very grateful for his sobriety and everything God, and he gave all credit to God. And because of that, Bill Wilson, forget about how he felt, Bill Wilson as crazy, and he was crazy. You guys understand he was an alcoholic. Some people miss that. Guy was whacked out. All you have to do is read his story. Guy was whacked, whacked out even after he stayed stuck. We have no idea. It must have been God that helped him write that book. Look at 23 years sober. He was going down the tubes. He wrote an essay about it. He was going down. He was he was as crazy as you are. He was as sick. Everything he gave up to God, even in the big book. It, he not, it, it not only says this in the big book of the 12 and 12 and Dr. Bob Gold Times, even the big book in the end of 23 years as he was going down the tubes, the founders of AA, the only thing that saved him was refocusing on God and he even wrote it down and talked about emotional sobriety. You know, and that's what Bob, that's what Bob Smith said. It said, it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All things will be added unto you. First things first. That was the number one thing. And that's what we have to keep on understanding because the book says my problem, what I need is ego deflation and death. And not only do I need ego deflation and death, I need constant recurring ego deflation, popping my ego because my ego gets resurrected, you know, all the time. You know, I was talking at a meeting I'm completely going off of what I wanted to say, but I was talking to me the other day and I talk about now. Now I had I've had four sponsors and uh, I have a fourth one now because the other three died because we're all temporary and they were all incredible in their own way. And they were all solid emotionally and everything. Totally solid people. And I loved them. But one of the things when I talk about my sponsors and, and they love me and I know I love them, but they were tough on me and they would say tough things to me. You know what I mean? You know, and, and as you know, I'm a Christian. Jesus said tough things to people, you know, you know, and uh, they, they were tough on me. And and I remember Bob Sullivan said, Ross, you know as much about life as a dog knows about his father. I'm sitting there saying, hmm? I'm thinking maybe he's complimenting me. I'm not sure. He said, your best thinking got you into this thing. Because see, my problem, we all have, I believe this is true. One of the consequences of alcoholism, they say, unless until an alcoholic accepts his alcoholism and all its consequences, his sobriety will be precarious and if true happens, he'll still find none at all. And I'm absolutely convinced, based upon what's happened in my life and what I've seen looking back now, and what I see with other alcoholics, is one of the consequences of being an alcoholic is you feel deep down inside unworthy. I gotta have that car, I gotta get that girl, I have to ha- I have to have that suit, I have to weigh this much, I have to look this way, people have to like me, constantly grabbing for attention and love. If you're an alcoholic, you're a please love me aholic, please let me have this aholic, trying to constantly prove yourself to other people how fantastic you are in every way possible, grandiose, all sorts of stuff, because deep down inside, you know you're a piece of shit, mm. which is why you tell yourself you're an alcoholic. You, you, you ever wonder why you tell yourself? You're driving in a car, you're showering, and you hear this voice, you're an asshole, you ought to kill yourself. Why do you talk to yourself that way? Why do I talk to myself that way? Five years sober, 10 years sober, why do you tell yourself you're an idiot? Because that's your reputation about you with you. I don't give a shit what you put out there. Deep down inside, in the quiet moments, Maybe after you get into a fight with somebody and it's an hour down the road. You ever you ever understand you ever you ever wonder why whenever you get into a fight with somebody or get mad at somebody or you do anything wrong, you ever wonder why 
even if you think they're wrong and you're right, that's something he should have done that. You ever wonder why three hours later you're saying, I wish I was fucking dead, I'm an asshole. <laughs> you ever wonder why that happens? Yeah, you guys are laughing because you don't know what it's like. It's because you know you're not worthy. You know you're not worthy because you can't get worthiness from other people. You can't get worthiness from a Cadillac. The bigger the car you have, what does it matter how big the car is? Two weeks later, it's used. And you're used. And it's got a scratch. And it doesn't matter. The only time you have worthiness is from God, some faith in God. Period. That's where the power comes from. And Bill Wilson knew that. And you know, it says there comes a time in every Yaw life where he won't have any defense against the first drink. His defense must come from God. This is big book stuff. This is my opinion. And that time where you don't have any defense against the first drink or the first thing may happen when you got 42 years. Doesn't say it happens when you have one month. It could happen when you have 13 years. We got a lot of guys in AA. We probably have more people in AA that are slippers and drink after 5, 10, and 15 years. I've been to so many meetings where guys said, well, I had 10 years, you know, I'm back again, or I've been around AA. How long have you been sober? Oh, I've been around the fellowship for 20 years. Yeah, but how long are you sober? I got 90 days now. I've seen so many guys with three years, five years, 10 years, and everything like that, that end up drinking and coming back. And of course they say things like, well, I stopped going to meetings. I, yeah, but why did they stop doing that? Because the glue wasn't there. Hmm. There was no glue. So I am, like they said, what, what is that movie with uh, John Belushi? I'm one of the Glues brothers. <laughs> I'm on a mission from God, you know? I hope you feel like you're on a mission from God. That's what you have to get, and that's what this is all about. It's, it's not about you. It's about turning you into a tool for God you don't think so? You have new, you got a new employer. He's the father. You're the, you got a new employer. But we don't know you. We cannot be sure of that. You know, God will determine that. Your real reliance has to be on him. Your job now is to have maximum purpose for him. Your job now is to do what Bill Wilson was doing. You know, the Lord has been so wonderful. He cured me of this temple. He's got to keep talking about it and telling other people. Mm-hmm. That's your job. Your job isn't to get laid. Your job isn't, I'm sorry. <laughs> You had your chance to steer this ship. You steered it into the wall. You would, <laughs> maybe, you see, I don't think when you first came in like me, I don't think you really truly understood the implications of making a decision to turn your will and your life over to the care of God. And that you can do anything you want as long as, and think anything you want as long as it fits within his will in the morning. I don't think you understand the implication. You probably didn't know what you were actually signing up for. You didn't read the fine print because there was no fine print. It was pretty clear. You're my slave now. The Apostle Paul called himself an ambassador in chains. You're chained to me now, big guy. You know, I own you. You be my bitch now. You know, you're my bitch now. You're going out there to help people. It's about helping people. You know what I mean? That's what this Sid tells us. It ain't about you anymore. It's about you talking to them about me. That's what it's about. You know, that's your deal. You do that deal, you'll be okay. You start looking at worldly clamors and all this stuff and running around and everything like that. Because my ego, you know, I had a guy say to me when I was talking about my sponsors, how they were tough on me. The truth is, I mean, I guess we're all different or whatever. They love me, but... I'm like one of those guys, one of my problems, the way my alcoholism showed up, is a constant resurgence of the ego. You understand what I'm saying? I graduated law school, Department of Mathematics, all that bullshit, you know? So my my deal was when things started going good for me, 
my shit didn't stink. I was like number one, you know, stay out of my way. So the truth is, you know, if you're an alcoholic, if you have that attitude where you think you have the power and you're smart and you're curing yourself, what happens is you drink, you gotta get slammed. So thank God I had these sponsors. <laughs> I'm in my law office with all these plaques on the wall, attesting that I've been educated far beyond my capacity to understand anything. <laughs> My sponsor sitting there, you didn't graduate the sixth grade, he's a used car salesman. You know, I got like about five months or whatever it is. He's got like 15 years. I said, Bob, these are my degrees. I tell the story all the time because it's true. I said, these are my degrees. You know, I point to him, I'm very proud of him because I was so fucking smart. <laughs> and he looks at me and says, you know, Russ, rectal thermometers have degrees. You know what they do with those. Oh, oh you know? Thank God for God. You, you know, whenever he saw me like lift my head up from the ground, acting like I was really something, it's like, bam, you know what I mean? Right in the, the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Yeah, they, they'd always give me a shot. It's like I'm walking around a giant sign. Arrogant, alcoholic, asshole. Triple A. Arrogant, alcoholic, thumb-sucking, crybaby asshole. Hit me. Punch me. Shut me up, you know what I mean? Thank God, thank God. Listen, don't worry about people that hurt your feelings in here. You understand what I'm saying? Because if you don't get your feelings hurt in here, if you don't get slapped down in here, you wanna know something? The world has a very different, interesting way of slapping you down. See, here somebody may hurt your feelings and cause you to double think things and write a list and talk to your sponsor and pray. Out there, they put you in jail. Out there, they put you in jail. They lock you up for 20 years when you screw up. In here, they just say something to you that makes you think twice. You know what I mean? It's not a, it's not a bad deal. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about step 12 and that kind of deal. So I want to read something to you before you get to the fun part. This is the fun part. It's all fun. So this is in Bill's story. I love this part. My wife and I, this is after he gets sober, okay? My wife and I, the lovely Henrietta, abandoned ourselves with enthusiasm to the idea of helping other alcoholics to a solution of their problem. It was fortunate. That was fortunate. For my old business associates remained skeptical for a year and a half, during which time I found little work. Little work, this guy's broke, he's got a wife. I was not too well at the time and I was plagued by waves of self-pity and resentment. Guilty as charged, guilty as charged. So I'm a self-pity all of This sometimes nearly drove me back to drink, but I soon found that when all other measures failed, work with another alcoholic would save the day. Many times I have gone down to my old hospital in despair, in despair on talking to a man there. I would be amazingly lifted up on my feet and set on my feet. It's a design for living that works in rough going. You guys read that? Have you read that? You know, there's something missing there. Have you noticed what's missing there? What happened to the frickin' guy? They don't talk about what happened to the guy. They don't talk about like right after that meeting, 
He went up to the top floor of that building in the mm-hmm. hospital, jumped off and was smashed on the concrete because of his conversation with Bill. That didn't happen. I just made that shit up. <laughs> I made that up. But it might have. But it didn't matter because that's not the point of it. Who gives a shit? You're worried about what happened to that guy. What happened to Bill? He was amazingly lifted up on his feet. Hey, Abby Thatcher goes to see Bill Wilson to 12-step him. Tell him about the Lord. Simple religious uh, deal. That's what happened to me. He walks in there. Bill says, you want a drink? Abby Thatcher says, no, I'm, you know, I found God. I've got religion, all that sort of stuff. Bill Wilson's thinking, either says this or he's thinking this. Good, more for me. (laughs) You know, Thatcher probably left there and said to himself, well, that was a failure. That 12-step call was a failure. And we're sober today because of that 12-step call that he thought was a failure. You know? You know, you know that's it's it's crazy. It's not a, the point is it's what happened to Bill Wilson. So I'm I'm sitting there and I'm three months maybe two months sober something like that. And uh, and I wake up one Saturday morning and uh, and I and I'm depressed. I'm like Bill Wilson talks about. I'm depressed. I. I'm not even going to give you a reason because I'm not even sure I had a reason. Because if you're a true alcoholic, you don't really need a reason to be depressed. It's like, I don't know, it was raining outside, it was sunny outside. You know, I didn't like my, I was just depressed. I was in despair. I had about two or three months, I was in despair. So what happens is I, uh, I remembered, I remembered that... You guys got something, it's like a, well, get a motel room or something. What is going on? Give, give me a tissue for your eyes. <coughs> oh, no, thank you. Right you had a tissue for my eyes? Yes. Where? Right there. Are you going to cry? Yes, no. I'm crying. Oh. I'm crying because I'm, oh. I'm crying. I'm crying. Oh. I'm crying because I'm hanging out with you guys. It's a sad situation. <laughs> he's so, like speaking to me like I'm silent. Like, I have no idea what he's this saying. This is important. This is an A meeting. Try to be a professional. You know? This is a try to be professional. There are people here. It's not just us, you know? Hey, hey, hey. Cody's laughing. Yeah, well. <laughs> so in any so in any, where was I? So in any event, so this is true. So I'm I'm thinking there and I'm just in despair. I have no idea where this comes from. This is a God thing. I believe I believe when you have when you're in despair and you're feeling sorry for yourself and you get a thought like this, it's gotta be a God thing. I mean, something happened in Amy, and I remembered that on Saturday mornings at 7 a.m., I'm up at like 5 o'clock, suicidal. I remember on Saturday mornings at 7 a.m., down on North 22nd Street in Miami, where the mental health drunk tank is, wherever that is, they have a 7 a.m. AA meeting for the guys that are hospitalized, the drunks, the wet brains and the drunks. So I get it in my mind that who knows where this crap comes from when you got two or three months, that I'm gonna drive down there and go to the AA meeting in detox. And I get in my car at like six o'clock in the morning, I drive down to the AA meeting in detox. And, and they will let you in, they will let you go. So I walk in there and I say, I'm here for the meeting, you know? And I'm dressed, I guess like I'm dressed right now. So they bring me into the meeting, I'm sitting down there in the meeting, and about 20 or 30 people, men and women, 
walk in there wearing those those things that they wear. You know when they put you in hospital, you they put you, your backside is out. You know, you know what? what you hospital doing? gowns. Hospital gowns. About thirty people showing up with with hospital gowns, old and young, male and female. Now I'm the only guy wearing pants. <laughs> it was obvious I was an old timer. It was obvious I was the old timer in the room. You know, you can always tell the old timers of the world room they're the ones who are fully dressed. You understand? And so I was <laughs> Elizabeth like that. You know what I mean? So in any event, uh, so I, I, I walk in there and they, well, I have no idea what I said. Whatever I said, it probably went over their head. Who knows? I said with my three months sobriety, you know, we had questions and answers and all sorts of stuff. And I walked out of that place and I was like high. I was driving, I was like, I was like amazing. I was like what I just read. It was, and I, and I remember saying to myself, holy shit, this stuff works. It's like a drug. Mm. It's like a drug. I don't know what happened to those people. I mean, hopefully some of you, it's like a drug helping people. It's like the greatest drug in the world. So I'm like a couple of years sober. And, and so now I'm, now I'm helping every, I'm helping, listen, I'm gonna help you whether you like it or not, man, that's it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like three years sober and I'm sitting at Denny's with some guy that I brought to the Arch Creek group. I'm not even sure the Arch Creek group is still around. And on a Saturday night, you know, the Saturday night I was a lounge list as I was out there looking for the gown. I take this new guy to a meeting on Saturday night and, 8.30 at the Arch Creek Group, and it's over at 9.30, and then we go over to, I think it was called Danny's, it's still there. It's Danny's Cafe or something mm-hmm. like that, 125th Street. Yep. And we're sitting there, we're drinking coffee with this new guy. And I said, it's like 10 o'clock at night, on a Saturday night, you know? And I'm drinking coffee with him, we're talking about the meeting, and he says, and I say to him, I say, so, so, you know, how'd, how'd you like the meeting? He says, oh, yeah, I liked it, it was good. He says, and he looks at me, he says, he says, but, but can I ask you a question? He says, sure, he says, what do you guys do for fun? Uh, I didn't have the heart to tell him I was having a great fucking time. You know what I mean? I was having a great time because how could he understand that? He was looking for the dancing girls. I was having the time of my life. You know, I mean, the, 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 the stuff that was, and then I go out and I, you start sponsoring. Then I went on Relay, my sponsor, because at that time, everything, anytime I did service, I can guarantee you 99% of times I did service is because my sponsor told me I needed to do service. These were never like original thoughts. Oh, I think I'll make coffee. I think I'll make coffee for the group. No, 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 no. That's, uh, I went up to my sponsor, Bob Sullivan, and I said, I'm broke, I have no money. You know, I, I don't know how I'm gonna pay the rent. I'm three months behind the rent and all that sort of stuff. And Bob looks at me and he says, yeah, I understand what the problem is. You know, you know, I, I, I understand. He says, he's, I, he says, well, I got the solution for you. He says, he says, you do? I said, absolutely. He says, I think it's about time you start making coffee for the group. And I'm realizing there's no conversation here. And that's when I started making coffee for the, and I can't tell you how much I didn't want to make coffee for the group. But I made coffee for that group for 18 bloody months. The next day I didn't want to go back to that group. You know, so I didn't want to go back because I had no money had come in. And I was like depressed. But I had to go because I had to make the damn coffee for the group and set up the chairs. Three months later, the Money came in, I was okay. Some guy comes up and he says, I'll make the coffee. I'm the coffee maker. Who the hell made you the coffee maker? 
You know, I'm making coffee. The then my sponsor, my, my next sponsor, Bob, uh, was Joe Snyder. He says, you know, Rush, you ought to go on relay. Really? What's really? He says, yeah, you can be on real. You know, I felt like, in a sense, it was like, um, who was it, Clarence the Brew, Blue Man, Brewmaster? When he said about uh, Bob, when he talked about Bob Smith, his sponsor, he says, he says, I, I did what I was ordered to do. There were no suggestions. I did what I was ordered to do. There were no suggestions. He said, you need to go on relay. I called up Integral. I didn't want to be relay. I says, uh, I, I want to go on relay. He says, oh, yeah, we got a spot open from 8 o'clock Friday night or 9 o'clock Friday night till 8 or 9 o'clock the next morning, Saturday morning. So I said, okay, I'll do that. So what happens on Relay is, in Dade County, is anybody who calls up Alcoholics Anonymous between like eight or nine o'clock at night, on a Friday night, and like nine o'clock the next morning, it gets routed to you. So you're, you're getting calls at like two o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, 12 o'clock at night, Mrs. Fats was not happy about this shit. No. <laughs> you're on the phone. You're on the phone. You want to learn about alcoholism. You want to learn about dealing with alcoholics. You need to do relay. Let me tell you something. So I get on the phone with these people. The stuff that you, I'm three hours on the phone with some gal, you know, and she's telling me about, you know, her life and what's going on. Every once in a while you try to interrupt. Well, let me talk about the training. She says, no, 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 no. You got to listen to me. I'm not done. Blah, 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 another hour. No, 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 you got Everyone's wife says, can you hold on for a second? I say, yeah. And I hear her go somewhere, and I hear it clink, clink, clink. A couple of ice cubes dropping in a glass. She says, okay, I'm back. I'm back, you know, she's drinking, you know. Because, you know, if you're a drunk, and it's 2 o'clock in the morning, you want, and you want company, you might as well call it Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm an alcoholic. When any, whenever anybody is anywhere in AA, I gotta be there, sit and listen to this crap. You know what I mean? Because what, what if I say no and she dies? What if she commits suicide? What if she writes AA? I called up Florida and I got this guy Russell Spatz and he did not listen to me. And then what's gonna happen, you know? And if everybody finds out that I'm a bad 12-stepper, you know, or something like that. And, you know, and uh, you learn all about 12, you learn all about, you know, and. You know, and I, I got I got a call from one gal. She says, uh, I'm a, uh, I've got a PhD in nursing. And I have a little child, little daughter. And she sounded sober, she was sober, a daughter. And he says, and I'm under PRN supervision. So I don't want to lose my nursing uh, deal. And the other day I took a drink. And I'm worried because if they find out or if I keep on drinking, I'm gonna lose my license to practice as a nurse. May lose my child, you know what I mean? And my job. And so I need help. He says, but there's only one, th one thing. He says, what? He says, I don't wanna hear anything about Alcoholics Anonymous. And I said, well, we got two problems. He says, well, what's that? He says, well, number one, I'm like whatever it was, three years sober, five years sober. And uh, and I'm sober because of Alcoholics Anonymous. I go to AA meetings. And I have an AA sponsor. And I go to meetings. And I'm five years sober. And, I'm, and I said, and, and that's the only thing I do. So I don't know what plan B is. Hmm. I only know AA. So I don't know plan B. He says, okay, I understand that. He says, well, what's the other problem? He says, 
You called Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> Miss PhD in nursing, you know what I mean? We're not completely wrapped solidly, you know what I mean? And that kind of stuff, you know? But very often, you get these calls. Every once in a while, you would get these calls. And this is what would happen. And what I learned is I learned after a year of getting no sleep whatsoever, I learned this. You get on the phone and you let them whine for like three or four or five minutes. And say, yeah, okay, listen, I got that. I understand, We're going, but I need to ask you a question. He says, yeah, do you want to stop drinking? And if the answer ain't yes, then the answer is, listen, I'm here to help people want to stop drinking. If you want to stop drinking, you can call me back. Okay? But I'm not here just to hang out with people that are lonely or stuff like that. I'm do whatever I can. If you want to stop drinking, I'll tell you where you can go and how you can do that. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's it. We're not going to spend an hour and a half you tell me how screwed up your life is. You know what I mean? And that's the deal. And you learn how to do it. That's how you learn about helping people as opposed to enabling people. And that's the deal. And every once in a while, this would happen. A guy would call me up on the phone and say this. This is, a, this is an amazing, when this happens, this is like a diamond in the rough. A guy says, yeah, my name's Joe. He says, this is AA, yeah, this is AA. He says, I need help. He says, I can't stop drinking. And then he stops talking. Doesn't say another word. You know why? He's interested in what you're going to say. Because whatever you're going to tell him, he's going to do it. Because he called up AA because he wants to stop drinking. And you say, listen, I can help you. I haven't had a drink in so-and-so. You tell him a little bit about a story. He says, how about this? Where you look at it? So-and-so. I'm going to a meeting tomorrow at 11 o'clock in the Sunset Room. Why don't you meet me there? At 11, he says, okay. And then you meet him there. And you introduce him to Alcoholics Anonymous. Hmm. And you get that incredible feeling. And it makes all the other bullshit worth it. And so I was on Relay for eight years. <laughs> Sponsoring people and also on Relay for eight years. And so somebody comes up to me, and I'm maybe 10 years, 12 years, whatever it is, and they come up to me. You know, you find out a lot about this, a design for living that works. You know what happens when you work this program? It becomes really simple, almost simple, to see where the problem is. You don't have to guess, you don't have to get in psychology. Guy comes up to you and he says, you know, I've got five years and, you know, I'm, I'm really not happy and I feel like divorced my life and blah, 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 whatever it is. And you say, yeah. how many people do you sponsor? He says, well, I'm not sponsoring anybody. I follow, I sponsor uh, two people. I said, oh, you sponsor them, you're in touch with them every day, you're taking them through steps. Well, no, no, I sponsor one guy, he never calls me. And then there's some other guy, and uh, I, I speak to him maybe once every two months or something like that. I said, so you don't really sponsor anybody. So you're not doing this, you're not doing this at all. How many meetings are you going to? Well, I go to two a week, you know. And I guess I go to 
three a day. You know, I mean, what? I mean, this isn't rocket science. You know, there's a great line in the book of Revelations where, you know, God's talking about the seven churches. He's the God of my understanding. It doesn't have to be your understanding. Seven churches. And this line is also in Alcoholics Anonymous because they were studying the books they found absolutely essential were 1 Corinthians 13, Sermon on the Mount, the book of James. Between 1935 and 1937, they came out of the Oscar group. All they were doing was reading the Bible. They weren't reading the big book. That was in 1939. And so all this stuff found its way in day A. You don't know that because if you're not a Bible student, you know what I'm talking about? You don't have to be. You don't have to do it. I know they say we encourage church membership. Most of us belong to that. Rarely ever seen a person fail his third followed up path. I know they say they do that. I know the founders say they encourage that. I know they say you should do it. We're encouraging it. We all do it. But shit, you don't have to do it. <laughs> do whatever you want to do. I mean, after all, thoroughly. What does thoroughly mean? I mean, really, what does it mean? My wife told me, you come home drunk one more time, I'm leaving you. I left the house and I stopped the car. I said, what the hell do you mean by that? What does it mean, really, thoroughly? What does it thoroughly mean? That night I was drunk, that was the end of my marriage. Because I couldn't figure out what she was saying, because it was very complicated. You know, you know. You know, it's very complicated. You know as much about life as a dog knows about his father. It's very complicated shit, you know what I mean? You come home drunk one more time, I'm leaving you. You know, we encourage church membership. Most of us do that. You know, it's very complicated shit. It gets real complicated when you don't want to do it. You know, when you just want to do what you want to do. Just go into the program, work the program, do the steps and everything, but don't sponsor people because that's a pain in the ass. Yeah, I know that thing that says, what does it say in the big book? We got to be the good Samaritan. It's out of the book of the good Samaritan every day. A kindly act once in a while. It ain't enough. Your phone may jangle any time at night. You may be called to do stuff. Your your wife may actually be upset with you. What are you doing? It's 2 o'clock in the morning. You're on the phone. It says, most of us have to go through that stuff. Yeah, but that's thoroughly. But what does that mean anyway? What does it mean anyway? You know? And so people go down to Jesus. But I worked the program of alcohol sounds. No, you didn't. Yeah, even sober. By my standpoint. You know what? Because you're not drinking. Because you're not drinking, so you think you're cured now, you're okay, you got it under control, big shot, is that the deal? And so that's, yeah, you know, and that's, and so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing the deal, and I'm, you know, it's pretty simple. When you work this thing, and you see the results, and it's working for you, it's pretty simple. You don't have to sit around getting the psychology, oh, I think it's because of the way my mother treated me, oh, I think it's because of my job, I think it's because, how many meetings you go to a week? How many people do you sponsor? Well, they don't, they don't, nobody asked me. I said, well, do you raise your hand? Do you, do you uh, let me tell you something, do you talk a lot at meetings? I don't like talking at meetings. Well, how would they, why would they sponsor you? I don't even know who the hell you are. This is your life. What do you care whether, what, what do you care what they want you to You go up to somebody at the end of the meeting, you go up to a newcomer and say, listen, I'll be your sponsor. I'll be, they're new, they don't know. They don't know how goofy and stupid that. They don't know how inadequate you are. You tell them you're their sponsor and take over. You know, he says, well, what if I don't know what to do? He says, you got a sponsor? Yeah, Joe. He says, say, I don't know. Well, ask my sponsor. You know what I mean? A guy asked me to sponsor him. I don't know what I should do. What? He says, because I don't know. I don't know whether I'm ready. I said, listen to me. You're not ready. You're a fucking goof. (laughs) But he is so stupid and so new, he thinks you have something he wants. 
so we're going to run a scam on him. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> we don't really give a crap about him. You know what I mean? It's a design for living that works. Like amazingly lifted up on his feet. You're going to tell him yes, and we're going to go from there. And if you, you, if he hits you with something like, my girlfriend's a heroin addict and she wants to get married, what should I do? Mm. And you don't know what to tell him. You know, you just call me up. Say we're going to call Russell and see what he has to say about that shit. You know what I mean? And then you get into the fun part of this whole thing. You get to sponsor guys like Kevin. You know, Kevin was a guy I loved. He lived with me for three months. And, you know, he was, I can't even tell you how much I love Kevin. My primary, he, I'm not sure whether he's my first sponsor. is like unbelievable. And Kevin would sober up. And he was smart as a whip. And he was a former Marine reconnaissance guy. And he was sharp. He was like a Clint Eastwood guy. And as soon as he gets sober, he'd find a gal. It was always the gals with Kevin, you know? And he found, he found some gal in A, and he had like about six months, and the gal had like five years, and you know, she was doing her thing, and they moved in together, and Kevin calls me up, and you got a call like this, this is Russell. I said, what's going on, Kevin? He says, last night, Lucy tried to stab me with scissors while I was sleeping. He said, you know, Kevin, when a woman tries to stab you with scissors while you're sleeping. That's God's way of telling you, it's time to move out. <laughs> so, and then Kevin says to me, I don't think you understand. <laughs> what about, because he had enough of the program, he starts giving me back, what about love? What about tolerance? What about giving people a second chance? Aren't we supposed to give people a second chance? Are we, and you know, he starts talking to me. Now then I wasn't as well as I am now. You know what I mean? Mm. Then he starts giving me all this bullshit about the tolerance and the love and everything like that and everything like that. And I'm starting, he's about, he's pushing me into Al-Anon. This is why people are in Al-Anon. Because I'm starting to think maybe I'm crazy. You know what I mean? Maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I'm not really understanding this. And you know, because he's, he's like hitting me with all this stuff. This alky stuff, you know, because you'd be surprised what an alcoholic man come up with when he wants to get laid. You'd be surprised. They become brilliant on the big book, you know what I mean? And I said, yeah, I said, okay, whatever. And like that, of course, like two days later, he was drunk. Then he goes to the state penitentiary because uh, somebody asked him to leave a bar. And he said, I'll call the police if you don't leave the bar. He said, call the police. Hmm. I don't give a shit. Call the police. But he ended up busting up the place. What's that? Avon Park, and he was there for like 90 days, and he met some gal named Annie. This one was Annie. And they, they kicked him and Andy out. Andy out, because you're not supposed to fraternize, or whatever that is. And so I'm up in Tampa. You know, I don't know if you guys know Burns Steakhouse, top notch, and I'm supposed sure. to meet him. But then he says, can I bring Annie? Who's Annie? Oh, I met her. It's, it's love at first sight. Boy meets girl on the AA campus, you know what I mean? Him and Annie, both graduates of Avon Park. They probably both have like maybe three or four months sobriety. They're living together. Uh, so he says, I said, okay, I'll come by and pick you up. No, I'll meet you at the restaurant. I'm at the restaurant, you know what I mean? With my wife, all of a sudden I get a call. He says, Russell, he says, you wouldn't believe what happened. I said, what happened, Kevin? He says, Annie. I said, what's wrong with Annie, Kevin? He says, well, she's screaming at me. She's on the balcony of our, of our, our, our apartment. He says, what is she doing? He says, 
Well, she's nude, and she's got a she's got a bottle of and she's drunk, and she's got a bottle of scotch in one hand, and on the other hand, she has a butcher knife, and she's screaming at me. I said, "What is she screaming, Kevin? She's screaming at me to leave." <laughs> I said, "Kevin, leave. Kevin, you need to listen to me." You need to leave. <laughs> now don't get ahead of me here. So Kevin says, but Russell. <laughs> I'm not making this shit up. What do you think I said? Let me make up a story. He says, you don't understand. What if she commits suicide? What about tolerance? What about love? What about giving people a second chance? Aren't I supposed to carry the message and everything like that? I said, what is she doing now? She's screaming louder. I said, what is she saying? She's saying, leave. I said, Kevin, you need to leave. He said, no, you don't understand. Of course, he got drunk and got arrested and everything like that. Now, you're going to miss stuff like this. You're not going to be able to tell these stories. You're not going to have this kind of excitement in your life. You know, this is it. And this is, this is the great stuff about sponsoring people. Then I'll tell you where it gets really crazy. Now this is where it gets, this is when you know that it's over for you. This is where AA has totally ruined my life. Hmm. Ruined my life. I was, as we all know, the, um, I was the Hugh Hefner of Miami. <laughs> it's true. I was, I was the, uh, you know, I was, you know that's the, I was the Brad Pitt of Miami, the Hugh Hefner of Miami. I was a legend in my own mind. I caught a broad swath in Miami against with all the gals and all the stuff and all the craziness. And this is where you know that A has totally ruined you. When even though I need to go to meetings to because I need to go to meetings because meetings are important to me and I need to go. And trust me, no matter what I say tonight, I know that. Don't worry about it. You don't have to tell me you need to go to meetings. I know that. When you start running to meetings, because you want to see if there's anybody there you can help. When you're looking to see whether there's anybody there to get help because you enjoy helping people and you start catching that crap that Bill Wilson caught because it's like a virus, I'm telling you. Where you want to, because when you start realizing the Lord has been so wonderful to me, you, caring you of this terrible disease that you've got to keep talking about it and telling other people. When you go to meetings and what you want to do is treat everybody like they have a broken heart because they probably do. And you try to say whatever it is you think you're going to say that may help somebody. And that's your entire reason. And here's where you now here's where it gets really bad, where you really need to check yourself into some sort of clinic. When not only you do that, but you start really enjoying it. When you would rather do that than get laid, you would rather do that than get a new car. You would rather do that than anything. You know, that's when you know you're really in big trouble. You're like, now now you're in Glues Brothers. Now you're on a mission for God. Now your whole life becomes trying to carry this message for God. And you start getting into that six-step stuff where you become entirely ready to have... Entirely ready to have everything removed so you can be a servant. Be a servant. 
because you want to grow in the image, you, you're doing these things repeatedly, grow in the image and likeness in God, because that's who God was. He was a servant. He was serving us. He's serving us. He wants to help us. And that's when you know you got real problems. And you know something? Then you never leave AA. You, not only do you never leave AA, you're out there looking for other people that you can help because everything that we got going in here is common to man. There's nothing that's wrong with us that isn't common to everybody out there. They just don't have the benefit of being alcoholics with the drinking. So they don't have any meetings to go to. They'll go to church, and now I joined the church because they said in the big book that they encouraged that. And most of us, so I wanted to do that, so I did what they did. I didn't do what I wanted to do. You know, I did what they did. And I found out there were people in church that needed this. I started a ministry called Alive Again, you know, which is a, a ministry. Is It's like AA, but we all agree on the same who God is. Same God that Bill Wilson was talking about and Bob Smith was talking about. And that guy, St. Francis of the Banana, was talking about. I figured, if that, I figured if that God was good enough for them at Sandy Beach, you know what I mean? It's good enough for me, you know what I mean? And, you know, so I did, and that's been helping me out. Because then I have like a real image and likeness of God. He's not a fuzzy thing. He's not an imaginary thing. Because if God's an imaginary thing with me, if I can't understand exactly how he's thinking and what he wants me to do, then what happens is it's the God, it's not, it's, it's not the one who has all power. That they say, may you find him now. By the way, now means now. May you find him now. It's not the God that, uh, that I want him to be. It's the God that he is. And then I don't make him up. Because if I start making him up, he becomes the God that I would rather have. Hmm. And the God that I would rather have will let me get away with a lot of shit, you know, and not feel guilty. You know what I mean? I don't want that God that makes me feel guilty about doing stupid shit. You know, I want I don't want that God. That's I don't want a sponsor like I want a sponsor. I don't want a sponsor that takes my inventory. I don't want a sponsor that says that tells me like my sponsor said to me, Russ, we don't talk. We don't talk about other people behind their back. We don't do that in AA. We love other people. So if you don't have something nice to say about anybody, why don't you just shut the hell up and not talk? And he said that to me in front of five people. And I walked away saying, I can't believe that asshole did that. I'm gonna kill him, kill his wife, rape his dog. But you know, I loved the guy. I knew he loved me and I was sober. I knew it had a lot to do with him. So you know what I started doing? I stopped, I stopped talking shit about other people behind their back. I stopped it. I became like the AA police. Hey, we don't do that. This is AA. We don't, you know. And you know when you stop talking shit about other people behind their back? You know what happens? Every time you're going to start talking about something, you say, you know that guy, Joe? You know that guy? You say, what? He says, he's a good guy. You know what I mean? I mean, you, you, you like stop. You monitor your mouth. And, you know, then you stop talking. When you start thinking bad things about other people, you discard those and you, you let them be captured by God. And you discard them and you start thinking good things about other people. And you know what happens when you start thinking good things about other people instead of bad things about other people? You start feeling better. You start feeling better about yourself. And you don't call yourself assholes. Stupid. Now, if my, if my sponsor had said to me, you know, Russ, if you don't keep, if you don't, if you can, if you don't stop talking bad shit about other people behind their back and gossiping and character assassinating about other people back, back, what happens if you stop doing that, you're going to actually feel better because you're not going to stop thinking that stuff and you're going to feel good about myself. I would say, 
What kind of bullshit is that? That's not in the big book of alcohol. It's anonymous, you know what I mean? Mm. But that's not what he said to me. He said, we don't do that in AA, so if you can't say something nice, why don't you just shut the fuck up? That's the way he did, because I was arrogant, and I was an alcoholic, and my chief characteristic is defiant. So that's what he was saying to me with love, because he knew that he he cared more about me than whether I liked him. So he was willing to take the hit, even if I walked away and didn't like him, but he was willing to tell me the truth. The truth you can't handle with you. Because he loved me, so he didn't water it down and make it lukewarm. You know, uh, you know, like a lukewarm sort of thing. He got serious about it. And because of that, he hit me over the head with a two by four, and I got serious. Just like when I stopped drinking, things got serious. And that's why half measures avail us nothing. Nothing. That's why we stand at the turning point. That's why we get rid of the old ideas or the result is nil. That's, it's all in the book, you know, it's all in the book. You, you, you do this one sort of a lightly thing, you do one fourth step, and you know, you don't sponsor anybody, and you go to a meeting every three days and everything, you get what you get. You don't get the rocket in the fourth dimension thing, you get the not drinking club. You get to say, I haven't had a drink in 20 years, 30 years, but you want to some in the end, when the cancer comes, when it gets really good, when you deal with the good stuff, like the cancer and the health stuff and everything, that's when the glue comes apart. That's when it all falls apart. You know, it'll it'll fall apart with the drink long before that. But I'll tell you something, you get you get a lot of this a giant Grand Canyon at 20 years. There's a million people sober up to 20 years between 20 and 40, 20 and 30, not so many. It's like a bunch of people on the board, and then you get to be out at 20. And one guy at 21, one guy at 25, one guy at 33, one guy. It's like it's like a giant drop off. The truth, that's the way it is. Maybe one half of one percent of the people that come in A stay sober for more than 20 years. A's been around for 80 years. 90 years, I'm sorry. 90 years it's been around. How come we don't have 40 people in here with 40 years? You know why? Because there ain't 40 people with 40 years. It's like a really fit. They count the, the medallions that go out. They ain't around. You know, that's the deal. That's how it works in here. And you know why? Because it has to do with the glue. What's the glue? That Bill Wilson, they asked Bill Wilson, what do you think of a guy that doesn't drink and doesn't go to meetings? Let's say all those guys are not drinking and they're out there. I doubt it. He said, what do you think of guys that don't drink and go to meetings? What do you think of people that don't drink and go to meetings? Let's say you can beat the drinking thing. Let's say you come in here and you beat the drinking thing. And you, you know what Bill Wilson said? He said, I have no use for them because they have no gratitude. You know why they have And they're not even decent human beings. You know why they're not decent human beings? Because a decent human being, if he got this thing, got this gift, he'd come back and try to help other people. Because they're not helping other people. You know what? They're going out there and trying to get laid. They're going out there and trying to get a car. You know, so what happens is they get something. They get to say, I haven't had a drink. But that doesn't mean they're being rocked in the fourth dimension. You know what I mean? Because the truth of the matter is the people that are doing the 12-step work that are out there, whether they've got 12 years, 20 years, or 30 years, what, what, what you're really seeing is you're seeing people that are emotionally sober, not just physically sober. You see, you know, there are two types of people in here. There's the ones that are physically sober, the not trained club, and then there's the ones that are emotionally sober that got their act together. And I'll tell you something, if you look real hard and you listen real good, the person you'll, you'll, you'll become in the next five years will depend upon the people you hang out with and the books you read. And the books you read will depend on who you hang out with. And if you listen real hard and you look real hard, you'll see that there's a huge swath of people. You know, it's like it says in the body, he says, 
It's a broad road. Stay away from the broad road, the large road. He says, many go there, it's the road to death. Few find it, and there's a narrow road where, where few find it, and it leads to life. And you know, the power, we all latch a hold of the power. Everybody gets a chance to have the power that'll stop you from drinking for a while. For a while. But that's not the power you want. We had to find the power by which we could live. Amen. Live free. Not worried about what other people think about us. Not worried about economic insecurity. We had to find that power. There's a power that you can latch on to that will take you to the first stage and you'll not drink. And maybe you'll not drink if you hang around A for 5, 10, or 15 years. And there's another power that will take you to the second stage, which is escape velocity. And now it's zero gravity. And you're going to keep on going to the Andromeda. You know what I mean? You're not going to stop. You're not going to leave this thing. Because you're now on a different thing. You're searching for the power by which we can live. That's six-step stuff. That's the separation of the stages of the rocket. That's the rocket right, which separates the men from the boys. That's what they're talking about. That's the sixth step. It's not just one prayer. You say one prayer. It's adios, muchacho. And if you look real close and you're looking for it, you'll see that there's a little bit of a difference in here. Different type of people. You know what I mean? Yep. So I'm going to, I only got a minute left. So I'm going to share something in a minute. I got a minute. Uh, so I'm leaving on Tuesday and, uh, I have no bucket list. You know, this is my bucket list. This is what I do. This is what I like to do. I do this because of all the reasons I, I told you. You know, I don't need to go anywhere to have fun. I don't need to have anywhere to be excited. I just want to hang out with alcoholics. I want to go anywhere there's alcoholics or people, even if it's church or whatever, where I can help somebody or share what God has done for me. What does it say in the big book? It says, this is what it says. It says we're on a new basis, face of trusting and relying upon God. We never apologize for God. All men of faith have courage. They trust their God. Instead, they let him demonstrate in their lives what he has done for them. And once they start to outgrow fear, I want to just demonstrate in my life what God can do for you. Because, you know, it's very simple. What God for do, it's very simple what God can do. What it's done for others, he can do for you. And that's what I want to do a demonstration of. So my wife is talking into flying to Frankfurt and then to Athens, getting on a ship for 15 days and going to Turkey, Egypt, Israel, Cyprus, Rome, and then flying back here. I can't tell you how much I'd rather not do this. <laughs> I know these are high-class problems. Mm. You know, take it down to the Salvation Army and tell them about it. But you see, to, to me, this takes me away from, in a sense, from my meetings. You know, from doing, because I'm already on vacation. You know, I'm already having the time of my life. You understand? <coughs> and it ain't costing me $15,000. You know, and uh, and I don't have to worry about being stuck in Frankfurt, you know, or something like that. Because the plane is overbooked or stuff, mm. you know, like that. But the one bright spot is this. On the boat, there's going to be 100 people from AA. So that the one thing I'm looking for, I don't care about getting off the ship, you know what I mean? I figure I got 100 people in AA, so I'll make new friends and we can talk about stuff. Maybe I can help somebody. Maybe somebody will help me. And that's that's the bright spot for me. Not because I, you want to see the pyramid, you want to ride a camel? No, I don't want to ride a camel. I like camels, I don't want to hurt the camel, you know what I mean? You want to see the pyramids? No, I've seen the pyramids, you know. I saw them, I saw Lawrence of Arabia, I saw the pyramids. You know? 
<laughs> my wife's going to get uh, uh, baptized in the Jordan, which I think is great. You know, and he says, you want to get baptized? I said, I was baptized. It worked. I don't want if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, that's what I say. You know, you know, one baptism is good. You know, one baptism is good as the next baptism. I mean, there was, if there was a difference in a baptism in the Jordan versus a baptism down here, I'd be in big trouble because that's not what the Lord says to me. Right? It says, you know, you can be baptized and you can love the Lord and love God anywhere. You know, He wants to be your friend. You know, that's the deal. So that's that's the twelve step to me. Twelve step is serving God. Not because you have to, although it may start out that way when your sponsor says you got to do this. It's serving God because that becomes your life because you're on a mission and you are so excited about the mission. And I'll tell you something. I know a lot of people that feel the way I do. We go to a lot of Zoom meetings together, some of them on here, and they are these are people with 30 years, 40 years, you know what I mean, 25 years, and they are geeked. You listen to them, you think this guy must have just gotten sober. Because they, they're more excited about AA now at 30 years than they ever was the first time they start stopped drinking because it's a whole new it's a whole new deal for them. It's not a not drinking club. It's giving service to God club. That's the deal. So you gotta decide what you want. You know? You want what you know, you gotta decide whether you want what we have and or you want what he had. You know what I mean? He can come bottom my way. So thank you very much. Thank you.